This podcast is brought to you by MercSec, the specialists in security, search, and recruitment solutions. Visit MercSec.com to connect today. Welcome to Destination Cyber, the podcast where we sit down with cyber industry leaders and movers and shakers and find out what makes them tick. We explore their careers, the mistakes they made, trials and tribulations, lessons learnt, and the invaluable insights and knowledge they've picked up along the way. Now here's your host, Lachlan Korn. Hello and welcome to Destination Cyber. Today, I will be targeting students and recent graduates that are interested in the security field, but may be undecided on the pathway forward. Today, I will be speaking with Tanesh Khaya, who dives into the realm of entrepreneurship within the cybersecurity field. Having been on a variety of boards and director positions, Tanesh has acquired some invaluable knowledge about the technique of sales and human relationships in which he effectively applies in the cyber world. I'm your host, Logan Korn, and this is Destination Cyber. Hello, Tanesh. How are we going today? I'm very well, thank you. The sun's out, so I'm feeling good. I know, I know. I'm actually so happy for once, you know, having a week of rain. I definitely get that. I definitely get that. Um, Let's get straight into it because there's a lot of things I want to talk about um, with you and, of course, the audience as well. Um, Can you just first give me and the audience a little bit of an idea of of where you are now? What what are you doing with yourself these days? Sure. So currently I have a company called Decipher Cyber Jenny and I am three years into my journey with Jenny. We built her from ground up so I didn't know very much about development or marketing and some of these functional skills which I decided I realized soon into starting that company that I would need to know and they supported me building that company and today we are um, building ourselves the largest cybersecurity arguably database in the world of cybersecurity vendors and service providers on the planet. We currently track over mm. 10,500 companies in real time. And we give our users that, that insight into those companies, who they are, what they are, where they are, what they're doing, what service they offer in a single pane of glass. So it's, it's a crazy, super, super fast-paced tech platform that we've built, and we are continuing to grow every day. Interesting. And how did you come up with the idea for, for this business, may I ask? Yeah, sure. It's, so I wish I could say it was something genius, but it's not. Um, it is, <laughs> I was actually what I was living in London in the, at the time. Um, as you know, I've just moved to Australia eight months ago, but I was living in London at the time. And uh, there's an advert called the Money Supermarket advert, which is, I don't know if you've gotten that, that here in Australia, but essentially it's uh, where you can, you know, you can buy different sorts of insurance, car insurance, uh, moat, uh, boat insurance, home insurance, you know, watch insurance, all this kind of stuff. And it's an aggregator and, and, and literally people can go on and just search different providers. And it was a really simple uh, conversation I had with my wife and I said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if there was a place like this in the market where you could find every single cybersecurity company? And my wife turned around to me and she said, there must be, you know, there must be places. And I said, yeah, there, there, there must be. And I looked and there were, there were places um, and there are still our places today and where they offer you lots and lots of lists and um, uh, 500 companies, 1,000 companies, maybe even 2,000 cybersecurity companies. But these are just lists and they're still done manually with researchers and these researchers have to go and find and update this information. 
I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do and create something which was done with automation. And so I then uh, uh, partnered with my now current CTO and co-founder. Um, and together we, 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 we built our own web crawling technology. So very similar to Google crawlers. She, she goes out there and she finds all of these cybersecurity companies, gives, finds their high level information from their websites, and then essentially uh, uh, creates them a, a, a space and a profile page on our platform. And so that's, that's how the idea started. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it, it was just really to help simplify, you know, the way users could find information and take away that pain point because there are so many cybersecurity companies entering the market. So why don't we just help them? And it was the advert, the money supermarket advert that actually triggered the idea and then to what she's become today. Mm, interesting. And in terms of this idea and you come out and you've done some research about um, if there's any sort of competition or perhaps people who've already done the service, did anything make you feel a bit um, uncertain about it once you were looking for it and you saw some things that had lists and some things that kind of put t- touched upon what you were thinking but not to the same extent? Did any of that sort of then make you think or maybe be a bit uncertain goes, oh, maybe it's already done or maybe I shouldn't do it or anything like that. Can you give me your thought process? Yeah, really, really nice question. Look, always, even today, um, look, I know who my comp- competitors are. I know what they do. I know how, you know, the, 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 the mechanism they use to find that information. So whether it's automatic or whether they use it automation, a lot of them don't. They use still manual research. I know the number of lists they have, the number of vendors they're tracking. Uh, at that point when I started, yes, I was nervous, but I also had gone out to the user community as well. Because I've been in the industry for 20 years, I've been very blessed and fortunate to grow up with IT security professionals all around me, both in the vendor community, but also in the customer community. And because I build these relationships, um, and that's just the way my fabric is, you know, I, I've, I, I knocked on some of the biggest companies in the world, in Europe, actually, um, and went to see, you know, the head of procurement or the CISO or different user groups. And I said, look, I'm thinking about building this platform. And I created a simple wireframe and I showed them and they said, this is really cool. We need this. This will be really helpful. This would save us search fatigue and save us finding this thing and looking all over the place. And this would save us even talking to, um, you know, the salespeople, which most people don't want to talk to the salespeople, right? So that's what spurred me on. But then as the market kind of evolved and we've evolved to where we are today, I'm still very, very mindful of people around me. And I got sent something, and I'm not going to say the name. I'm not going to promote them. But I saw that I got sent the name uh, from uh, of a competitor in the U.S. Really nice product, what they do. He was a researcher, but he's just built a platform. I really like it. I, I look at that as that's really good for the end user, right? Because the end user gets another lens on on, on an area which where we could be stronger at, but he's he, that's his focus area, which is more the financials around the vendor space. And he gives that beautiful insight into that place. I, I can only aspire to that and think, okay, when we're ready, we could we can try and do something that looks like that, feels like that, you know, but with the journey, journey feel around it, which is always very, you know, uh, digital and, you know, um, video-led and podcast-led and all that funky stuff. But if you think about it, I, I, that's how I look at it. That's my mindset. Because I don't sit there and go, oh my God. You know, otherwise I'd be thinking about G2, Captera, Gartner. There's all these big companies that we get compared to all the time. But we're not those companies. We're not a, just a review company. We don't just go out there and find information on, you know, one thing. And, you know, we, we, we try and get as much information on the community, on the vendors and the supply service providers that gives a rounded opinion 
and then you know so the users can make an informed decision that's why when i look at the competitors out there now and even back then you can only think okay do we cover that yeah we do do we cover that do we have an aspiration to do what they do right now no not it's not on our development now but it's such a good idea and good luck to them because i i'm hoping that a lot of these people who have these these information portals and providers do what have the same principle as us which is we want to help them. They're first. Users are first, right? They need to be able to come onto my platform or, or Bob's platform, for example. Let's just call him Bob for the moment, you know, and walk away with valuable and relevant information that's made their job and life easier. And that is our core principle. So we love the vendors. And of course, we love, you know, we want the information, but we want it to be relevant and valuable to our users because actually that's who you want to help, right? So no, it, it, it doesn't make me nervous, and I've answered that in a very long way. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you, you know, there's always a little bit of, there's, there has, there's always a bit of context and narrative I have to kind of put into these things, right? Definitely. And I, I mean, I get where you're coming from. I mean, in order to, I mean, get that sort of at least clarification, you have to go to your market base, because if no one wants it, then what's the point of creating it? And I think that you found the... The, the gap and then they found the demand which is then how you're going to the uh, satisfy your customers I, I definitely i definitely understand uh that thought process and i think it's a very proactive thing to do because i think a lot of people think oh i need a good product i need a good product but the only way to know if that's going to be a good product or a good service in the first place is to do that background research to figure out if there is a demand i mean is that is that correct would you say yeah 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 very much very much and, and whilst i appreciate what my competitors are doing and and, and and in some cases i really love what they're doing um actually it pulls back to going out and continue talking to the market we started off as a sales and marketing platform for the vendor community we've now moved into a due diligence platform and a business intelligence platform because we've spent time talking to our user base and the user base isn't just it security professionals it's, it's procurement managers, it's, it's researchers, it's private uh, equity firms, it's VCs. And we've talked to all of these people over the last year and said, what more information would you like to see in order for you to make one of three decisions, a, a procurement decision, a partnering decision, or an investment decision? And that, that, that's what we're trying to help the community with, that, that broader, broader information. And, and that's a continual uh, journey for us. In fact, just last week, we were talking to a CISO and he said, if, you know, I'm, I'm on the platform, I can compare apples to apples, but it's not the services I'm even looking at anymore. I said, so what are you looking at? He said, well, if they've got a sustainability policy or if they've got a, a, a gender policy, if they've got a diversity policy, because that's aligned to our company value. And that just made me think, wow, so what did I do? I got, I got, my, I got my CTO on the phone. We need to ask these questions because there's a whole bunch of enterprises out there who will not be looking at just what your services do today. They, there's 10,000 of you. <laughs> You're not alone. Right? The, you know, and, uh, and so they're not going to be looking at those things. How does an enterprise company then make the differences? Well, let's pull it up a little bit. What are you doing around CSR? What are you doing around inclusion? What are you doing around you know, being carbon neutral? Right? So they're the things that matter because they're the core value and that's driven by the, 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 the you know, the market and everyday people, right? So it's we're learning and we're evolving every day. It's not just about providing, you know, all vendors would love to just us us to be a, a lead generation platform, but I think they 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 need to then pick up uh, and look out into the market and speak to users and find out what they want because they don't just want your product; <laughs> they want your product and some, right? 
Um, it's like when you go to a top-class university, you know, you're at university, you go to a top-class, you want to go to MIT or Yale or Harvard or Cambridge. There's a lot of people walking through the door with A's now. That's great. Tell me what you did outside of the A. Like what? Well, I'm a pianist. <laughs> I, I, do, I, do, I do charity work. I do X, Y, Z on the side. Okay, well, they're the value drivers. That tells me who Tanesh really is. Not Tanesh who just got an A star or whatever it is nowadays. I think it's A triple star now, isn't it? A's just never good enough now, right? It's crazy now what's going on. So if I use that as an analogy, that's how enterprises are looking at um, the vendor space. Yeah, you're, you're all great products. You're all shiny, you're all new, and you all do great things. But tell us what you do beyond that. And that's what we're interested in, especially the enterprise space. Um, and I get quite passionate about this because we speak to both sides and, you know, Jenny's in the middle and, and you know, after a while you, 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 you're trying to bridge that gap tightly, but they, they come from very different places. And by the way, some vendors, sorry, some users, they don't want all that information. They just want basic information. <laughs> yeah, quite frankly, they, they, they can care if you, you want to save the planet or not. All they want to know is, you know, what antivirus product is there? high-level basic information, are they based in my country, and what price point can I get it at? And you know what? We have those users as well. So that's fine. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, so going from all this, you know, all this sort of, this is my business, this is what I do, I want to sort of wind back the clock a little bit and sort of go back from the, back to the early days where, you know, I want to figure out what sort of sparked your interest to get into this field. I mean, it's a very... Back then, it would have been also a very niche field. It would have been something that isn't sort of your mainstream choice. What what sparked that interest? Was it an event or did it evolve over time? Yeah, great question. So I, I used to work for a company called Gartner, uh, which many people many people may or may not know. They were one of the oldest um, research companies um, out there. Um, they were, I think they were a billion-dollar company now. They weren't, weren't back when I was there, but I'm sure they're, they're well over a billion in revenue now. And they provide a really good... Uh, you know, uh, insight into the market. Uh, arguably, you know, Gartner compared, to, and I'm hoping some people list, uh, from Gartner listen to this. They were ex employees, uh, employees rather. Um, and and you know, they're like I think you guys call it Vegemite over here. You know, you either like them, yes. you either like them or you don't, right? We have <laughs> the best Marmite ever. Yeah, people. yeah, right. So you either like Marmite or you don't. So Gartner a bit like that, right? Uh, and, and some enterprises still subscribe to the Gartner way. You know, if it, you know, if it, if it fits in a uh, a place that's where it is. So anyway, I used to work for them. And what that means is that I got a really good inside out view of the market. And there was this thing called IT security. It wasn't called um, uh, cyber then. It was just IT security and data security and network security. And we, you know, they were talking about cyber security companies and um, uh, or IT security companies. And there was this company called Sophos, is an antivirus company. I thought, you know what, I really, I really like this thing called IT security, and it's, it's you know, they, it looks like it's making the move in the right place. And and at the time, you're like you said, it was a lot simpler. It was antivirus, firewall testing, uh, firewalls rather. Um, I think pen testing may have been around. And and you know, I I thought I want to give myself a go in that, right? So I left Gartner and I hmm. got myself into working for an antivirus company as a young sales guy, and actually. After working for them for a few years, I realized cybers, uh, sorry, IT security is much bigger than just product and technical products. And, you know, 
vendors. There's actually all these service providers, there's all these managed service providers that are springing out into the market. There's all these consulting firms, you know, the big four are making moves into that space from an advisory level. And I thought, you know, I really want to give myself, uh, a, I want a deeper understanding of this industry, I want a broader understanding of what's going on beyond just this one thing. And I actually loved my journey in, in Sophos, actually, I really enjoyed it. Um, and so when I left, I then made moves into, career moves into uh, my first managed service provider, uh, which then got acquired by HP. Uh, and actually spent some time there learning about managed services and cybersecurity consulting, because then the market was growing. You know, this was like sort of five, seven, five, seven years on. And all of a sudden, there's this rapid, uh, n- a lot of noise in the market. And all these, it was very exciting because you're continually learning about different products uh, and different services. And you were, you know, clients were faced with different threats. And all of a sudden, you're being called in to give advice and guidance, not just from a technology perspective, but from a, oh, okay, what do we do here? We're, we're a financial payments company. We've got this new, you know, government, uh, this uh, framework we, we have to adhere to. And how do we get around it? Can you support us around it? I'm talking about PCI, the payment card industry. And, and, and it became very, very exciting because all of a sudden, you weren't just talking about a product. You were talking about the product just became the, the tool. You were talking about at a top level, you know, with, with your helping organizations around people and process and technology and the whole thing. And it really changed um, our mindset very, very rapidly. And uh, my peers, some of my peers, it was interesting, some of my peers preferred technology and they kept to technology and they built their careers out in technology. Some of us did the whole blended thing. So we like technology, but we like managed service. And I myself, um, really really like um, professional services and consulting advisory so you know what the big four do and in fact a lot of boutique consulting firms and consulting firms do i really like that the human side of it you know the people side of it that's my forte uh, and then you have you know people who like just managed services and they really like going in and talking about my company can offer you the big managed uh, managed service and we can take away all of your security issues and you know support your business and you can focus on your business so it was a really interesting journey how i where I started, you know, working for Gartner inside out to where I am today, having my own company and having a couple of companies, actually, you know, I've just sold a, uh, a cybersecurity company, a consulting business, which I had. Um, and that, 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 that focuses very much on the boutique, you know, SME consulting market in the UK. And, and it, it's just growing day by day. And the career choices are so wild. So, so not wild, that's not the right word. They're so um, broad now. You know, any of your listeners who are thinking about coming into the industry, you know, there's so much opportunity beyond just the technical opportunity. You know, you don't have to just come in as a security analyst or a pen tester or build a career into OSINT or, you know, uh, so, you know, you've got sales, you've got marketing, you've got, you know, project management. And I know project managers who are on a fantastic day rate. <laughs> in fact, some of them in the UK are making more uh, better day rates than CISOs. It's incredible. So, you know, there's so many amazing roles that the young young people have the opportunity to go to within cyber or what's known as cyber now, beyond just, you know, the practical stuff. Hmm. Interesting. And in terms of then your your journey and you were talking about how you got into where you are now, what were you always uh, destined or did you always feel like you were going to own your own business? Or was that something that as you got more experience, you thought about it and it started coming into your head more clearly that maybe that's something I want to do. Yeah. So my, you know, 
I, I, my only regret is I wish I'd started something in cyber a lot younger, you know. I, I, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and they, they're, they're sub 30 years old and um, they, they, you know, they, they're, they're building really good, cool, innovative products. And, you know, with, with lesser responsibility, I guess it, you, you can fail fast easier and, you know, it's easier to uh, create something. When you're older, like me, you know, I started a little bit later. It, it, it's it's a lot more difficult because I've got responsibilities with young children and family and mortgage and all this other stuff. So, you, you, failing is not an option. It becomes a you know you really failing is painful, really painful. So my only regret is that. But if to 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 answer your question around you know how how it started, it, it, I I always was a <laughs> I always had side hustles. You know, even as a corporate guy, but they were nothing to do with cyber. You know, I had a I had a food a, a food business which was a slack box business. Uh, called Good Health Box, and essentially we were out in the market sending out healthy snacks in these boxes, um, you know, celiac snacks or vegan snacks or protein snacks, and it's a subscription-based model, and we did okay, you know, but one of my only, my, my mistake with that business, I partnered with the wrong person, just had the wrong partner, and, you know, we grew apart and I exited that business. It was a successful exit, but nevertheless, I exited. And then I, I have a passion for cars. So at one point I was selling cars, but my wife got fed up with all these cars on my driveway <laughs> and all these nefarious, all these nefarious characters walking up to the house with bags of cash on a Sunday evening. So we, we had to stop mm. that. <laughs> even I, if on occasion, even I was scared. Um, but we, we, we got rid of, I got rid of that. Um, and there went the car business. And then I've done, you know, a bunch of things, which I always knew I wanted to do something and become an entrepreneur, I, you know, um, but then it really happened for me mainly when I got made redundant. And I, I've said this so many times on podcasts and things that, you know, it's like the matrix. I had to take the, the, the blue pill or the red pill. And mm-hmm. I decided to yeah. take the red pill and decided to go off and do my own thing. And, and you know, it's been an incredible journey. It's, it's, it's been very, very hard. Um, it's not easy. It's hard because of my personal situation, personal circumstances, because I've got family. And that's where the regret mm-hmm. piece comes in that I wish I'd started a little bit earlier. You know, so every time I do talk to young people, I mean, you know, I talk to, uh, I, I, I am a big supporter of young, young folk and the, the, the decisions they make right now is, you know, mm. if you can, I would, of course, get the university out of the way and get that badge, you know, of course. But beyond that, if you have the opportunity to, after you've gone traveling around the world and did all that funky stuff, come back and if you can start your own hustle and, and give it a go, whatever it may be, whether it's inside or not, give it a go. Because at least you've tried and you've created something. Because once you start the career track, you know, life changes, right? You, you, you get that steady income, you start building your life, which is pretty straightforward, right? Everybody knows the pattern. Get a job, mm. get a property, may get married, not, may not get married, may have kids, may not have kids. But you, you build your career uh, and you start getting used to that level of income and, and you know where the rest is, right? And then. Then, mm. you know, if, if, if you get to an older stage and I didn't have all the, the responsibilities around me, then of course, side hustles or hustle around that, creating that dream is easier. But it's much harder to do when you're in, in and most, most of my friends are at my age who are got family responsibility. You know, we all share the same thing that we all wish we'd start to touch earlier. So I would definitely encourage that to your young, young, the young people, the young learners who are listening to this call. Um, you know, definitely try it. Hmm. Do you do you believe that with entre- young people who are able to have this opportunity and more choice and more ability to become entrepreneurs and develop their own things and it's becoming more widespread and accessible to people of all um, different uh, ages and uh, socioeconomic situations, do you think that makes it 
harder for entrepreneurs to become successful or does that mean there's more opportunity for entrepreneurs to become successful i i i think there's you know i've i've been on the end of both of those i've i work uh, back home i used to work with a lot of disadvantaged young learners that come from disadvantaged backgrounds you know they may have abusive parents or they may have alcohol problems or you know really really quite heartbreaking backgrounds some of these young folk have and you know when you talk to these young folk it, it's 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 this there's a certain energy and a certain spark that these 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 particular young folk have and what where they miss out is the opportunity because people don't want to give them the opportunity because they never they don't they, they're not working with that side of uh, you know, the, the community, which is a shame. Um, and, but when you talk to them, you know, I, I used to have kids uh, uh, come onto my cyber track and I'd say to them about, are you really interested in cyber or are you interested in something else? And they go, I'm not really interested in cyber, I'm just here because I have to be. <laughs> and I'd be like, well, <laughs> tell me what you want to do. And they'd talk about their idea and I'd go, why don't we do this? Learn the basic cyber stuff with me because you're on the cyber track and that's what this scheme's about. But uh, I'll give you some of my extra time and let's talk about your dream and your passion. And let's make that happen. And it's amazing how many, how many of them would then go off and do their thing. Right. And so I do believe, so that's one part of the story. The other part of it is, you know, at a high level, there's a lot more opportunity for young folk to uh, be able to create things because of the social, because of the well, social platform, social media, a lot of it's moving towards that way. Funding is available. If you, you know, if you can get that, if you, you can go out there and, sell the dream to investment arguably yes right now the market's depressed but you know generally money is available and you can raise to go and you know providing the idea makes sense and you you're not i've, I've also partnered with people who are very very young and you know unfortunately you know he can raise because the market thought he was too young but he was actually an incredibly smart guy and he had a great idea but he just couldn't raise because you know some investors said he was too young and that was a bit you know i didn't like that because actually this, this kid is really smart so there, you know, age plays against you sometimes, but it depends on what market you're in. You know, he was in cyber, so arguably some, you know, the investors were, well, you know, this is a responsible thing, blah blah blah, whatever's going through their heads. But it, you've seen it. That you know, I've seen young entrepreneurs coming out. Uh, and there's one particular entrepreneur I follow in, in the UK. He does designer trainers. The guy can't be no older than 23 years old, and he's just raised a phenomenal amount. But he's just doing amazing thing with sneakers and designer sneakers and stuff like that. And I just like, I'm not into design sneakers and stuff like that, but I just love his journey and the energy and the positivity that comes along with these young young folk, which, you know, you don't get necessarily when well asked the old people, right? But you get it with the, the young folk because it's accessible. The market is accessible. The global market's accessible. You can do what you want. You could do, you, you could sell through social media to, you know, I'm in Australia, but I can sell to somebody in Cambodia or South of France or in America or Canada, right? Do you see what I mean? You can do what you want. Fulfillment is available. You know, white labeling, private labeling is uh, available. There's so many things young folk could do. You just have to spend an hour on, on Insta and look at the feeds of all the young people with pictures of Lamborghinis behind them. I don't know how much all of that is true. I don't believe in most of it. But the, 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 the fact is there's so many ways for the young people to now go out there and create opportunity and follow their dreams and, and give it a good old hard push that actually it's phenomenal. I, 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 I really, I, I think there's, I have a lot of, um, I look at that space. I think, crikey, I wish I was in that time. You know, I wish I was that age. I, I mean, I encourage my 12 year old, uh, to, to, to obviously study, but she's got a little bit of business. I can't even, my, I'm not going to plug my daughter's business, but my, 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 my 12 year old makes $50 a day. 
and uh, yes, wow. you know, uh, upwards, and and she does something, and uh, you know, and I encourage that entrepreneurialism. She does it herself, and me and her coming to the market next year with a business. Me and her are doing nothing to do with cyber, just something where I can help build a company with her, and she's going to do all of my social media because right? she's very good at it. You know, these young folk. She gets like a hundred thousand views every time on her TikTok following, um, uh, and and. She she's nailed it, and and I I'm asking my twelve year old, will you run the social media for this idea we're going to launch in in January? And she says yes, Dad. And I'm gonna I'm talking to suppliers right now, and we're building this thing we're gonna go out to market with, and we're just gonna have some fun with it. But I'm encouraging that entrepreneurial side with her. So that then leads maybe or maybe not onto another question for me, which uh, another thing I would suggest is get yourselves get when these young people are out there. Get yourselves mentors. Get yourselves people that you follow, you want to follow, who inspire you, who lead you, who will question you, who will doubt you, and and then talk to them and say, what is it about my idea that you you think will or won't work? Why why are you so doubtful? And get that experience and that conversation in. And it, also, by the way, these mentors can come in different ages and shapes and sizes. They don't all have to be like middle-aged men like me with white beards. Yeah, they can be anybody. I, I've got much, some of my mentors are. And one of my mentors is actually 25 years old, <laughs> you know, and he's a Forbes 30 in the 30. And I have the utmost respect and time and energy for this person. And when he gives me 20 minutes of his time, oh, my God, I'm all over it. Uh, and it's really enough. And he talks to me about other things in life, you know, like parenting and family and all those things which he has yet to come. And, he's, and so we share and we have an equal value. Right. But get get yourselves mentors because people do want to help in this time. And after COVID, people being fragile. People do want to support and help the community, so please do, please do think about that. And you know, uh, to your to your listeners, that it's all out there, man. Mm. The people who are the listeners, and I'm sure myself included, the people who are generally less inclined to, to to execute something, to start something, they have an idea, but they're not sure. They think, oh, they start overthinking. They might be a bit too hard. Do you, do would you say um, that? having those business startups uh, is harder than it looks, easier than it looks in, in a general consensus. I know things are going to be different based on the factors, but how does one get over this obstacle of fearing that it's going to be way too difficult, they're going to invest way too much time into it, and then it's ultimately going to fail and you'll be back to square one, maybe even with losses? How do you how do you deal with that kind of uh, setback? You know, that... that... I face that a lot, um, and I face it every day, not just me, but people who are on an entrepreneurial journey of different ages, shapes and sizes and colors and all the rest of it. it that is, you know, no one actually knows what's going to happen. We, we, unfortunately, we're, we're in a market where everybody hears about the positive stuff. Everybody hears about the positive stuff. I've just raised a gazillion pounds. I've just done this. I've just done that. My company's, you know, all that great stuff. The reality, a lot of companies will never raise. In fact, a lot of companies don't even want to raise. A lot of companies are lifestyle businesses. You know, my consulting business was a lifestyle business. It remained a lifestyle business, right? But because my outcome and my goals were different. So I think at very early on, you just have to set the expectation in your mind. What type of business is this? Is this a big unicorn? Is this you know, something that's going to change the planet. Because if it is your expectations, you need to lower your expectations because the journey is going to be much harder. Yeah. However, if you, if you set your expectations sensibly that, okay, mate, this doesn't have to be a lifestyle business. This, sorry, this could be a lifestyle business and I can grow it organically and I, and I don't have to go in all, you know, all guns blazing and with emotion because it's all about emotion and feeling, right? Then actually 
it's it's a lot more is a lot more sanity in that journey. It's a lot more sensible and a pragmatic journey. Um, and I and I've experienced both in my consulting business. It's very stable. There's no emotion in there, you know. Uh, and, and, and you know, and I and I, and, I, and I've sold half of it now. But the other business, Jenny's a roller coaster, you know. And the moment you get investors involved, you know, the landscape changes again for you from an, a from a, a responsibility perspective. Because now not only am I thinking about my team and the growth and innovation and all of that, but I'm also thinking about the responsibility I have to my investors, right? And 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 with Jenny, I've just learned that, you know, I I, I actually uh, took the, you know, I, I fell off the wagon a little bit when I uh, I, I owed my investors some information, and because I've never done this before. <laughs> Um, and I and I fell a four or five months behind on providing this information. You know, I got called up on it, and rightly so. Um, and and I dealt with it, and it was a bit of a bit of a left blow. Um, you know, and and it left me a little bit bruised. But it, I picked myself up, and I thought, right, okay, lesson learned. I now know that this is what I need to do because I've got these responsibilities. So it is such a big question that is because every single one of our journeys is going to be different, and also. You know, it, it depends on the individual or individuals who run that company, what their ambitions are. But I would, from my experience, you know, I, I would say, look, take a balanced view. Don't go trying to, not, there's only a, what, I don't know how many unicorns are in the world. Great, good for them, man. <laughs> you know, make, <laughs> make it, keep it real, keep it real, keep it pragmatic. You know, you, 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 more than often your idea is not going to change the world, um, you know, absolutely talk to the market talk to people you know you don't want to talk to because you know they're gonna they're gonna you know poo-poo your idea talk to them you know talk to everybody and then set your expectations for your company and then of course success will come right um um hopefully <laughs> but at the same time you've just got to be mindful of that journey because it, it is hard man it's a lonely place and you know if 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 you are an individual owner of a company and you don't have an ecosystem of mentors and people who can support you then it's a very very hard journey uh, but you know if you've got mentors uh, and sound advisors people who are pragmatic different shapes and colors and sizes you know different diversity different genders i love that and and some of my mentors in fact some of my best mentors are just much younger than me in fact one of my mentors and friend um She's exited two companies, and I have I have so much respect, and I'm so lucky to have such a diversity in a pool of people around me. I've built that over the years; it didn't happen overnight. Um, that I, I take a very balanced view on things that we do now, uh, even though emotion does get in sometimes. Sometimes I do get a bit Whitney Houston. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It, 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 yeah. It, 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 you know, to the listeners, uh, I would say that I don't know if I've even answered your correctly fully because it's such a big question. Um, no, no, you definitely, you definitely touched. Yeah, exactly. You've definitely touched on a, a lot of those components, and I've realised that that's a very, a big open-ended question, asking for a very simple answer. So, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, and I, I know you've been mentioning, you've mentioned through that the idea of this, the journey. I mean, do you personally, uh, prefer the journey or sort of the destination, of your of your um work? That's such a cool question. Um. Okay, in some instances, I like both, right? I like the journey mm -hmm. and I like the destination. And I tell you what I mean. So, for example, in the consult business, 
I love the journey. I love building relationships with my clients. I love having those conversations where I find myself going native and I'm sitting on their side of the table looking at my team going, yeah, what are we going to do about this? What are you going to do? And my mm. team are looking at me going, dude, you work for us. <laughs> you know, you're the boss. Why are you on their side? So I love that journey. Mm. And I sometimes get lost in it. That's my one of my sort of, I don't know, negative, positive, positive, negative, which way around, whatever way around. But I, I like doing that. I really like that. And because I genuinely get immersed in the client side. But I also like the destination in that business because, you know, the outcome when we're able to deliver something and, you know, it, 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 it's made a material impact to that business from not just from a security angle, but from a, um, you know, it's, it, it's done and it's improved the business because I'm a business owner. It's improved the business. I, I love that. With, the, with, the, with Jenny and the platform, I've loved the building part. I've loved the marketing bit. I love the go-to um, um, market piece. It's really interesting. Talking to vendors, I enjoyed it. Talking to users, I enjoy it. But the, the destination, there isn't one, if that makes sense. And I don't know what the destination is. You know, arguably, my investors would say that, well, the destination is when you exit. Yes, of course, that's one way of looking at it. But as somebody who's built this thing from ground up, the destination is it really for me right now that we walk off with potentially some money that's great but actually on a philosophical level for me personally it would be wow it was an idea in a coffee shop <laughs> and it's mm. helped so many people and and it, it it saves time and it does all of those things that kind of is the destination for me right now like Jenny gets talked about in the US imagine that you know mm. have you heard of Jenny I'm like uh, and, and people ask me how is Jenny doing? Like she's a real person. Do you know how cool that feels? How nice that feels? I, I think I've hit my destination. Of course, now I've got to hit the destination for my investors and all of that stuff. <laughs> but at, at, a, at a philosophical level, I've kind of done what I wanted to do uh, at a micro level. Of course, there's, we want to explode her out and you know make her a household name and all that good stuff. But at, at this level, at this stage, when we're, we're a relatively young company, um, uh, CISO said to me the other day, I think pretty much everybody on LinkedIn knows who Jenny is. <laughs> and, and I didn't know whether that was a compliment or a bad thing, right? And I was like, mm, okay. Yeah. Um, and then I should have asked him, what do you mean? You know, I'm speaking to him again on Wednesday, actually. I want to say to him, Greg, what did you mean? Oh, I just dropped his name in there. Well, anyway, there's lots of Gregs. But I'm going to say to him, what did you mean by that? Because it was, I didn't, you know, I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know how to take it. But it, surely... That's that's a cool thing, right? Somebody who's respected in the industry in the UK says that. So, look, it, 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 the, enjoy the journey. I love the journey. And even with this stuff I'm doing in January with my daughter, oh, my God, the journey we're doing right now, I get to spend time with her. She's a, she's a, she's a in between us, so she's 12 going on 13. And anyone, you know, I, I doubt very much of your listeners will have kids at that age. But, you know, trying to connect with a, with a, a, a TikToker, or I call them flip-floppers, right, it, it's, it's difficult. So the way I'm connecting is by looking at what she's interested in, looking at what she's very good at, which is TikTok, and she just seems to get this audience, which I the numbers just blow my mind, and then bringing it into my world, saying, look, let's do this. Let's build it together, giving her responsibility. And that journey for me on a personal level, and forget business for the minute. This is not about money or revenue or any of that. This is purely dad wants to spend some time with his kid and grow together and do something. That journey is amazing. And, of course, you know, the destination would be, yeah, we sell some of this stuff that we're taking out into the market, right, uh, this product. But how cool that we get to sit down and over a pizza, we're talking about, you know, 
Uh, fact, she introduced me mm. to a Chinese supplier last week. My 12-year-old got in touch with some Asian suppliers and she said, Dad, I found another supplier for you. And I said, if you start talking to them, she said, I said, you're talking to them? She goes, I haven't spoken to them yet, but I've, I've been on email with them. She goes, I want to hand you over. And I was like, okay, cool, thanks. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and, and I love that, that I'm building this thing with, the, you know, by the time she's 18, she will have, she will have already had a company or two, right? Um, as well as, you know, academically she studied and she's doing all the traditional sort of things that we're kind of, you know, made to do or, you know, have to do, not made to do. No one makes us do anything, but yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I get what you're saying. I definitely get what you're saying. I mean, why why do you think, though, that your, your um, first of all, your business and then also in the broader scheme of things, the cyber cybersecurity, why do you think it's important for you to have a sort of, how do you say LinkedIn profile almost for the those cyber companies? What what do you think the importance of that is for the world? What do you see in the future? Do you know it's so important? Like every single young learner I have, I always say at the beginning of our program, our programs are eight to nine weeks, depending on you know which scheme, which which track they're on. I say to them at the beginning, do you guys have LinkedIn profiles? No. Okay, go and create one, and then we do a session. They go and create one. I give them a framework and then we come back and we talk about why the importance of LinkedIn. LinkedIn, uh, you know, for the, there's different schools of thought, people are saying it's changing and the algos are changing. All of that. I respect all of that and, and they are and they are changing and it's becoming a bit more Facebook and Instagram and all of that stuff, which is, it, it is their journey. But on an individual level, when you're coming into the industry, it is still the place to be to have a professional profile. Even it, it may look simple to you, but people want to see that. It's a way an employer, potential employer, can see what you've done. And, you know, providing you've been honest and you've tracked everything. And, of course, there's times when an employer may have not been right for you and you may not want to put, up, put it in there. Put that you've, you know, you, you've had uh, an employer in there and that, uh, you know, you may see you've had some timeouts, a gap year or whatever. Put it all in the profile because that's what people want to see. They want to see who you are. They want to see who your company is. If you own your own company, they're going to go down the rabbit hole. Who is Tanesh? Okay, who's Jenny? Next thing, they're on your platform or your website, and they want to see what you do. But also, it gives you an opportunity to connect with people that you wouldn't ordinarily be able to connect with. Follow people who are in industry and maybe not in industry. I follow a lot of people who are out of industry. And actually, I don't follow just you know, people that we've all heard of. I follow people who nobody's heard of because I just like their tone. I like their voice. I like that. I like what they're talking about. All right. I like their energy. I like, I like the way they um, 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 may be aligned to my own values. And that doesn't mean that's going to be an Elon Musk far from it. You know, I want to follow the everyday person and you're going to find those people on LinkedIn who may they may say something just once a year but when they do it's so profound or it so connects with you you think wow i'm so glad i'm listening to that person or connect to that person you can also find mentors or i'm look i'm not plugging linkedin right not by a long shot but i'm a big fan of linkedin linkedin's my stomping ground and you know four four years ago i was so shy of speaking on linkedin and, and i'll call this out and hopefully she'll hear this but she knows i've called her out a few times one of my mentors is somebody called sarah armstrong smith who's a massive voice in cyber. And Sarah said to me, Tanesh, you need to find your own voice. You need to find your confidence and come up with small, small messages. And do you know what used to happen initially is to send her the messages and she'd say, okay, that's cool, that's cool. So post it. And I go, oh, I'm so nervous. Because post it. And I'd post it. And then, you know, before you know, and, you know, four years on now, crikey, I 
talk about all sorts of stuff on the playing field. Mm, mm. I don't talk about, <laughs> yeah. you know, so I, in fact, I find myself talking more about Sydney and London than I do about Jimmy, you know, because mm. it, 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 I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable with the people I talk to. I don't, you know, and that's what you do. You find your own voice it, it, and you find your own community and you'll find new friends. A lot of my business connections who are now my friends. So my mentors that I found through LinkedIn are my friends now. Um, inside and outside of the community, um, you know, there's a there's a there's a couple of people I can't well I can mention names, but you know they are my friends. I when I came back to London, I hooked up and we went for three four hour lunches, got very very drunk. But the thing is, these are my friends and I love these people dearly as mentor, as peers, as as you know confidants, and that all came because of LinkedIn. So it's very very important doesn't matter where you are in your career, whether you're a, a midlife or you're, you're, you know, whether you're young or whether you're just starting up, um, build yourself a profile. doesn't matter how it looks. You know, uh, I'm a bartender at Menzies in Sydney. Great. That's what you do. That's what I know. Build around your communities. Start following people. Tell me what books you're reading. Tell me what companies you're following. It, it gives me a really good insight into who you are, who, who, who is Bob, right? And what are Bob's mm. interests, you know? And then over over time, start posting stuff, start commenting on stuff, and people get to understand who you are. Look, there's people on LinkedIn who are disruptive, um, some positively disruptive, and some who are just just disruptive because they've got mm. they've got nothing to say but disruptive. And actually, they're the same people who are probably disruptive on every platform. You know, I think they call them haters, right? And you're going to get that crap. Yeah. They, they bring no value but to bring something negative to something positive or they don't bring no value, fine. There's a space for those people too. But, uh, you know, I, I get stuff like that. I, 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 my, I, don't even, I don't even rise to it. I just block and delete. <laughs> That's, you yeah, know, yeah, my early, early doors, I used to get stuff. I don't even have the bandwidth. I literally block and delete. And I've done this to people I even know. And I'll say to them afterwards, if you're brave enough to say that on LinkedIn or any social media, please call me directly next time. And... Mm. Let, tell tell that to me or come to my house and tell let's talk that through yeah because yeah. if you can behave like that there you sh- you should be you know you, sh- you should really have the <laughs> you should be able to say to somebody's face and that's where i think people hide and unfortunately linkedin's selling a bit like that right now too where you can say things to people but and don't be offended by it you know it's it's never personal that people can be quite mean and nasty but don't don't worry about it be you you know be your voice be, keep things objective don't have to get into a big political decision. Don't have to write all of that stuff. You know, just be, just keep it real, man. And if that's your, if that is your thing, that's your mojo. You know, I want to talk about America and blah blah blah. Go for it until your heart's content. But that that that's not me. Mm. In terms of moving back um, slightly to the sort of cyber, why do you think that cybersecurity companies require stronger connections? Like, you know how you have um, your core business function of Jenny, which which is like what you were talking about, sort of LinkedIn for cybersecurity companies. Why do you think that that is needed? What Why is that that companies need to be better linked? Cybersecurity companies specifically need to be better linked with each other. Do you think that that will help increase productivity or increase com- healthy competition? Or is there another reason? Um, I, I don't know about connect. Look, there, there is actually. So it's a good question. If if I if I answer it correctly, I think I think I'm, this is what you're asking. So you're talking about cybersecurity companies themselves, right? And how they should be better connected to themselves, right? Okay. So 
some of them are connected to themselves. Uh, some of them are connected to themselves and they share information and that's good. But remember, ultimately, they're in competition with each other, right? We see that. That's what we see on Jenny, right? And they can, you know, they can always see what they're comparing themselves to, you know. And, and that creates a couple of things. They want to know what they're, they're doing. They want to see where the gaps are in their own offering and services. But actually, because they, they themselves don't know how to go out to the market, um, they, they, they are looking at different ways of how to do that and how to market themselves out there. But as of today, there, there are companies who have integrations with each other because they have to be, because they suit each other and, and actually they complete the technology stack for the end user, right? So they are, they do talk to each other and you'll see a lot of that. And we call it out in, on the platform, what technology integrationships, integrations do you have? And bigger companies will have more, smaller ones are moving into that space where they, you know, that, it, that ecosystem of partners to deliver their services, that the other people's services to, or to enable that rollout makes sense, cool. But otherwise, they don't really talk to each other. There's too many of them as well, right? How do you, how do you get 10,000, 10,500 cybersecurity companies to talk to each other? They don't, right? So they, they, they do from a, let's help each other from a technology and it's non-compete and it, we're not, you know, crushing each other's toes and feet. I, I do that. I talk to, to um, other partners because we don't have all the capabilities, so we partner with companies to, and we build an ecosystem of services that we take out into the market. And that's how we support each other. But if you're looking at a vendor in antivirus, um, in that category, antivirus is one of the busiest categories we have. There's hundreds of antivirus companies. They don't all talk to each other. There's no need for them to talk to each other, but they definitely look at each other. <laughs> I can tell you that now. They look at each other. I can tell uh, they look at each other's services all day long. I know who they're comparing against each other. So, you know, it's they are doing it, but they're not necessarily talking to each other. So I, I hope I've answered that correctly. Yeah, so it's like a little bit like healthy competition in the sense that in order to, to increase productivity of certain companies as well, they have to look at the competition. And another more effective way of doing that is by with this sort of business model that you currently have. Is that sort of correct? Yeah, I mean, if, if you know, they, they, yeah, if they want, want to look at themselves and see who's in their space and market sizing in, market um and competition and then yeah absolutely they they uh, vendors are constantly on my platform um on the jenny platform rather i say my platform on the jenny mm. platform uh you know looking at all sorts of different things and you know in in their space in their sector and why would you not right you if, if i'm in threat intelligence the first thing i'm gonna do is look at threat intelligence and see other vendors and think oh my god <laughs> do you know like, i wish i could feel yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. when when they, they they think they've got a unique product and and i really from the bottom of my heart i i genuinely feel sorry for them that they they've come out into the market so quick they haven't done the market research and and they they, they come onto the platform and they see their sector and all of a sudden they see another 50 companies who are maybe not doing exactly the same thing, but they are in that category and they're also doing something which is maybe a 10% left or 10% right swing, but it's essentially the same thing. They've just called it something shinier mm. or something funkier. Do you see what I mean? But it's, and mm. at that point, you know, they, they realize, wow, okay, there are a lot of vendors out there. And this is what we kind of do. We also tell vendors, guys, there's a lot of you out there, <laughs> right? How do you think, if you guys can't make it, if you don't know your market, how the hell do you think that users will understand the entire market, not just your space, but the entire market? Yeah, it's, 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 such, a, it's such a big problem, right? In, in our little way, we're trying to help uh, combat and solve that issue. 
Interesting. And I guess sort of a final uh, question is, I guess if you were to give three personality types and or three skills for someone who would be a good profile to be in the industry that you're in, what would you, what would you classify as uh, a, the good top three? Okay, so you would need to add in another criteria to that, and that would be, uh, and and it will make sense when I say it. It, it, that would be um, what function, yeah? Because there's so many different functions in cyber and even in the um, cyber security, like practitioner or technical space, if you will, there's different skill sets and criterias for each of those functions, right? So for example, uh, an analyst would need to be, a, a security analyst would need to be a bit more an analytical, right? Um, a bit more patient with the way they do things, a bit more level because the information they could put out there would need to be, um, well, you're making a decision on somebody's security uh, posture, right? And the outcome of where, you know, whether they're going to be severely in trouble or not. Okay, take a CISO. Their vision is that their their vision is completely different, right? That they, they've got us. Um, they may have a supporting team around them, but their skill set would be okay. What is the challenge we have now? What are the things we can do right now versus uh, being able to think with foresight and the ability to then bring in the people of the service of technology to be able to do that. These are not characteristics like you're saying. These are the different functional things. So an easy one would be, let's take, because it's my background, right? That's how I came. Look at a salesperson. There's loads of salespeople who are coming into this industry now. Right? But if you compare the new ones to the, the, the old ones like me, what were the three characteristics that would make a good salesperson back in the day in cyber? Right? Somebody who's good at building trust. Right? Trust because they 100% believe in their product or service. They can, and that gives them the trust and the confidence to go out there and, and talk to the end user and, and build that relationship and trust very, very quickly. Building, being able to network. Honestly, being able to network with people, not just because I'm there because I want to sell you some stuff. There's plenty of people who want to sell you stuff. But, you know, that is one of my personal traits. I don't just want to talk to you about work. I want to talk to you about everything, right? I want to talk to you about um, so we can build a relationship. Because, And I also want to be able to say to you, hey, man, we're not the right company for you. But, you know, Michael down the road has a better product, a better service. Go to them. That's what relationships are built on, right? Being able to have a maturity enough uh, mindset to be able to leave things because you're not just thinking about yourself. And I was having a discussion with this uh, to somebody on Sunday about this, actually, just yesterday. And and then finally, you know, um, working with a little bit of integrity, right? I've grown into integrity, you know. I've I've had to learn the hard way. I've made mistakes. But now where I am today, with the, and I look back at the, some of those mistakes, and it's really silly, stupid things I've done. I think that, okay, now I'm at a stage where I have integrity. You know, I know what's right. I know what's wrong. I know where, you know, as a, as a, as a leader, as, a, as somebody who's influencing, I also know uh, as somebody who's a salesperson when I'm doing my sales thing that I have to work with integrity because that's what matters. So you take that. That's pretty much transferable, really, with any of those skills, uh, any of those functions, really. A CSO has to build, has to have integrity. They have to have be a good relationship builder with their uh, stakeholders in turn, as well as their stakeholders um, with, you know, who are their clients that they're facing off to. And they have to have, be able to trust the team around them, right? So arguably, you know, I mean, I've just talked about two functions, but, you know, the same could be with program management, 
right? Actually, now thinking it through, those three are probably very, very important in our industry as three key characteristics, which, depending on whichever hat you wear, whatever job role you have, they're the things that probably matter the most to your, um, you know, as three characteristics of a human being within cyber. And because and they're the words you generally hear anyway, right? When you hear about cyber, you know, you want to be able to trust people, you want to have that good relationship and you want to work with integrity. So I kind of answered that without, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 thinking no. about sales. But actually, when I, when, I, when I thought about it a bit more laterally, I said, well, actually, and I'm, I'm thinking if, I, if you had a CISO on this call, if you had, you know, a practitioner, if you had a program manager, they're the same sort of things they would be looking for as well. Outside of the traditional ones, like, you know, great organizational skills and time management, you know, the fluffy ones, I call them. But not the not the deep yeah, ones yeah, that yeah. you know they really matter to our like, industry. No, it's lovely to get a it's it's lovely to get a bit more of a um, holistic view of, of certain of certain core skills that are, are required and I mean are favorable favorable in an industry like that. Um, Tanesh, thank you so much for coming on and speaking with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you give us a lot of your experiences and your tips for both your life experiences and just um, your general knowledge. And I mean that's invaluable to us because. Unlike, um, unlike you, we haven't had that time experiencing that um, those events that you have. So once again, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you. This has been another KBI Media Production.